Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Indeed, you are listening to The Sages Among Us, and uh, my name is Keith Porter, and tonight I am going to talk with someone who does make a positive difference for all of us. My guest is Matthew Muhlenhoff. He's a doctor of osteopathy, founder and medical director of Sierra Derm, which is a growing skin care medical clinic in Grass Valley. So, Matt, welcome to the hot seat on The Sages Among Us. Thank you, Keith. It's great to have you here. Uh, I want to uh, talk in a lot of detail about your background and what you do in the community and all of that, but let me start first by sharing a little bit more of your background with our audience so they can uh, understand who you are and where you came from. As a kid, you grew up in Corvallis, Oregon, and then moved to Lafayette, California for high school. Uh, You went to UC Davis where you studied studio art, which is an interesting major for someone who ended up being a uh, medical doctor. You got your doctor of osteopathy degree, I hope I'm saying that right, at Western University of Health Sciences in Southern California. You did a residency in dermatology in Tampa, Florida, where you said you learned a lot about the process of operating and owning and running your own practice. Your wife, who you met at Davis, was from Nevada County, and I think that probably influenced your decision to purchase a, an existing dermatology practice here and operate it and then grow it into what today is a very vibrant, thriving practice called Sierra Derm. How's that? Is that about right? Yep, I think you got it. Okay. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your uh, childhood in Corvallis and uh, Lafayette in the Bay Area. Uh, what kinds of things were you interested in? What was it like growing up where you grew up? Well, uh, Corvallis is a small town, a uh, great place to a kid and um you know it was a college town so i got a little bit of exposure of you know what college was uh would look like uh you know it was it was easily accessible i'd you know go down there with friends to the you know their memorial union and you could go play video games and stuff like that but uh, so i got to see the campus and i always knew that you know i wanted to go to college and i thought that was a pretty cool thing but it was a, it was a great place to grow up um you know, very, you know, small. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, you know, my family, my father worked for the Environmental Protection Agency. He's a, he was an uh, environmental engineer and was working for the EPA, but then uh, got a job down in the Bay Area. And so we relocated after my freshman year in high school. So then we, we moved down to the San Francisco Bay Area, which was a totally different uh, experience, um, but good too. A little, in a totally in a different way. A little bit of culture shock, then I bet, huh? From Corvallis to Lafayette. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, it took me a little bit of adjustment. So what was it like uh, moving during your high school time? I mean, you had a year at one school. You're all set with friends and so forth, and then you know, your social life is pretty important at that age. Was that traumatic for you to make that move? Yeah, it was. It was tough. Um, you know, because there were people in Corvallis, you know, that I knew since second grade and uh, had really close close relationships with. So it, it was hard for me. 
I think it was character building, you know, uh, to have to start over and, and arguably Lafayette uh, is, has a little bit of a small town feel. It's in the East Bay, but it's kind of in its own little valley there. And so, you know, everybody knows everybody there too a little bit. Um, so it was, it was hard kind of initially getting to know people, but um, it was okay. I, I think the minute I, I uh, was a skier, I was on the ski team my freshman year and um, shared that uh, interest with a lot of people uh, down in the Bay Area. And I also picked up the game of lacrosse um, when I was there in high school. So I made, I made friends quick and it all worked out great. Right. Do you have uh, brothers and sisters? I have an older brother. Okay. So were you the good child or the rebel? Oh, you know, I have a, I have a first grade teacher for a mom. (laughs) (laughs) There was no, no reveling. Maybe my brother a little bit more than I, he was the older one. You know, that's how that works. Well, you said something about your your mother and your grandmother ran a kindergarten, and you were their student, right, when you were little? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it was a family <laughs> deal. So, yeah, they 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 had their hands on me early. Yeah, uh, they grab you by the ear and say, "Shape up, young man." <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> any any really memorable experiences in high school? I mean, you talked about skiing and lacrosse. Anything anything uh, memorable? You know, um, I did get it a little bit into art too. Um, so that took me in a direction. I actually went and started taking classes at, a, at the community college while I was in high school. So, um, which was, which was great. And, um, I got into some, you know, different parts of art as well. And, and, um, so that, uh, was a kind of endeavor that really interests me and, uh, kind of drove me into the, into what I did later in college. But um, other than that, no, it was just a really good experience between the high school there and sports and and, uh, my interest in art, yeah. Well, did you ever have an aspiration to, like, make a career in art, to make a living at it, that sort of thing? And and how did that connect then to your ultimate decision to study medicine? You know, Keith, Art is, art is, you know, it's kind of scary to, to say I'm going to make a career out of it. <laughs> right, yeah. I, you know, I, 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 don't, I think I chickened out. <laughs> really? You know, well, kind of. I, 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 don't, I don't say that in a, in a negative way. I, I just, I didn't know if I ever felt the comfort that um, I wanted to necessarily uh, go that direction. Um, so I enjoyed art for, for um you know, it was relaxing for me. It was something to do on the side. And I, I think I always had and was encouraged to be a good student and um, be academic. And I kind of knew I, I just held those a little separately and thought my career was going to take me in a different direction. So I don't I don't know that I did. I uh, was going to go that way, but I did play around with that idea initially in college. Well, it does seem to be quite a leap uh, to have been very interested in art, studied art, got your degree in art, but then to uh, take on the rigors of, of, of a medical degree, that, that's a big jump. <laughs> what, what motivated that decision? Um, so, you know, I, I enjoy the sciences. Um, I, I've always looked up to the doctors that have been um, a part of my life. Um, 
I did have uh, a, um, a one instance where a doctor actually made a huge difference in my own life. I had a a, a, a bump on my leg that, you know, didn't know what was going on. This was in high school and, you know, got a couple of consultations uh, by orthopedists that said it should be removed and there was going to be a big surgery and went to a, a actually an orthopedic surgeon at UCSF and, and um, he had a completely different opinion and it was the right one. And there was nothing that needed to be done. And, and I really respected his knowledge and um, how I was just so impressed um, by how that affected, you know, my outcome because I was, I was actually looking at possibly not doing sports and having to deal with a, um, a surgery and all sorts of things. So I, I think um, I had these kind of moments that probably, you know, whether they, they did it consciously or unconsciously moved me in the direction of medicine. Well, it's interesting. The power of um, of good experiences with people, relationships with people, uh, you know, caring kinds of time, how, how that can be so influential in, um, in young people in particular, maybe, maybe in old yeah. people too, I suppose. Um, yeah. You said uh, that one of the reasons you, you felt affinity to medicine too is that you like to fix things and work with your hands. That, that's interesting because a lot of people like to fix things and work with their hands, might be plumbers or mechanics or something like that. But on the other hand, it, it applies to you too, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And um, that's something that, you know, you go into medicine kind of looking into this large amount of knowledge you have to kind of take on. But once you get past that point, you start thinking, okay, what am I, where am I going to go in here? What am I going to do? What there's so many different specialties or am I going to be a general practitioner? And do I want to, do I do want to do obstetrics or, you know, do I want to be a general surgeon or, and what does that day to day look like for, for you. So, and for me, um, I, that was part of it. I wanted to work with my hands and, uh, you know, in dermatology, there's a lot of, of surgery. So it, it was a great, um, I kind of found that as a, a wonderful, uh, avenue to go. And, and it's, it's worked out great for me. Right. My, my, <clears throat> my grandfather, who I spent a lot of time with, was a machinist um, for the oil refineries in the Bay Area, and he was always fixing things. And he, you know, he he just taught me about you know the how it feels so good to fix something. And <laughs> uh, I think I think my mom's that way too. I think it's just something in us that we 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 just there's some joy in just fixing problems, fixing broken things, fixing problems. Just oh, that's you know. great. Well, back to the decision about dermatology for a second. Um, I, I would, I may be projecting here, but isn't it true that dermatologists probably have less um, out of hours, you know, emergency calls in the middle of the night, that sort of thing? I mean, your your, your life is a little more scheduled and organized than maybe some uh, branches of medicine. Is that accurate? And is that a good thing about what you're doing? Oh, yeah. I mean, the lifestyle of a dermatologist is certainly different than someone who's taking call more uh, at the hospital. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have those, uh, kind of challenges. Um, you know, being the only one here in, in town, I, you know, if someone's having a problem, I'm going to get a call, but, um, right. that's different. Yeah. Um, I think the lifestyle that someone looking into dermatology, they, they look at it and go, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely different than say, like if you were an ER doctor or, or an internist or a, a, a surgeon who's, who's 
having to be on call and spending time in the hospital, your your hours are, are a little different. I'm Keith Porter. My guest today is Matthew Muhlenhoff, a doctor of osteopathy. He's a founder and medical director of Sierra Derm, which is a growing skin care medical clinic here in Grass Valley. So uh, before we leave medical school, you uh, out of medical school, how bad is the experience at medical school? Is it as rigorous and tough and grinding as we hear? Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you, you push and you, you take your entrance exams and, and everything to, to, to get into medical school, and then you get in, and then, you know, you show up, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and then it starts, and, and literally uh, your head is just down and you are working. Um, you know, it was, it was rigorous. I, I will tell you that 100%. You, they have you go in a hundred percent and you, you, you find your, you find your groups. It's interesting. It, you, you learn to study very efficiently. You work with others. You learn to, to help each other out. You teach each other subjects to, to test your knowledge. And, you know, it's, it's uh, very competitive um, because to some degree you're, you're, you're all trying to be the best. And, you know, that kind of pushes all the way through medicine and makes it makes it tough if you're um, you want to keep your doors open. Right. So, you you know, if you want to be a specialist, you've got to do well. You know that there are other people that are going to want to be a specialist, too. So you're constantly trying to be the best. Well, those of us in this in this community who have benefited from your being here, patients and all, uh, we appreciate your living through all of that and and uh, going through the ropes to uh, to make it through, um, and and you did make it through, and you then went on to a residency in dermatology, I believe, in Tampa, Florida. Is is that accurate? And why Tampa, Florida? So Tampa was a great fit for me. The program there um, was desirable for a lot of reasons. Um, one of them uh, being how much surgery uh, the residency put you through there. They were very intensive in procedures, um, surgical dermatology. Um, the, the attending staff in that program was heavy on the surgical side. They had plastic surgeons. They had uh, uh, dermatologists that specialized specifically in surgery. We had, we had pathologists on our staff. So it was, it was very good for learning those skills, um, and I, I think that that was a, a desirable trait that drew, drew me to that program. You you mentioned to me that you also had uh, some folks there. You you were you became the chief resident, I think. Uh, so you obviously success, uh, you excelled there, did what you needed to do, and and then some probably. But that you had um, people in the program, supervising physicians in the program, that really were willing to help the residents learn about the process of running their own practice. And um, did you always expect and plan to run your own practice? Was that important to you? I, you know, I think that was. Part of the culture of that program was basically not only are we going to teach you dermatology and teach you how to do it well, but we're going to teach you how to be able to go out there and do things on your own. And um, so I think coming out of that program, that was a really a, a special thing. The attendings really kind of took you under their wing to show you how they ran their practices and some of the challenges they faced with staffing and insurance and all the stuff that they didn't really, you know, you don't really have time to deal with that when you're learning, you know, your, your um, trade or your, your profession. So they spend extra time with us on that. So 
there was no doubt in my mind afterwards I had the skills to do it that, of course, I was going to go into my own business. Okay. So um, what then brought you to Nevada County to uh, buy Dr. Kearney's practice, I believe, right? And uh, grow it into Sierraderm. Uh, what, what brought you here? So um, my my wife, who, who grew up here, um, and my, my now, uh, my sister-in-law was, uh, friends with a retired gynecologist who worked here by the name of Dr. Dolly and Dr. Dolly, uh, who's a friend of mine as well, um, caught wind that I was graduating and his office is literally, it butts up against my parking lot. But so he knew that Dr. Kearney was retiring. And so he, uh, passed on the information and linked the two of us up. And so we were able to get talking and, um, you know, after, after long discussions and figuring all the logistics out, I was able to, to basically pick up uh, where Dr. Kearney left off. And when, when was that, that you actually purchased and started practicing here? What year? That was uh, 2004. All right. Well, that's yeah. great. Well, uh, I I uh, ended up back in this community in 2004. From oh, I I kind of partway grew up here and then went abroad and did a whole lot of other things, but then came back to retire essentially and uh, got uh, in touch with my physician Christine Newsom, who's retired now, and she referred yeah. me she referred me to you. Said there's this nice young new uh, dermatologist you ought to go see. So <laughs> that was how I first made your uh, acquaintance. That was cool. Well, that's great. Well, so tell us about the challenges and the good parts of running your own practice. I can't believe the nightmare that it appears to us laymen that medical billing and insurance and everything is just, it just looks like a nightmare. Uh, how does that work, and, and how do you put up with it, and how do you make it succeed for you? You know, it's a, I will agree with you, and uh, you look at a medical bill and you, you say, well, this, is, this is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> this, make, this makes no sense. What, you know, with all the adjustments and the whatevers and the this and the that, I mean, that's probably, a, you could, you could um, talk all night about the problems with this. But, um, you know, I, I think that that's a huge frustration is, is dealing with, with insurance companies and, and that side of it. And it's a challenge, um, but it's part of the deal. You know, yeah. if you're in, med- if it's in, med- if you're in medicine, you have to understand that, you know, it, it's not going away. So you just have to learn to work w- with these companies and realize the, the kind of things you need to be looking for for yourself to, you know, not get stuck in bad situations, but um, at the same time be able to provide care because, you know, you've probably seen it. Insurance shifts around even in, in our community, and you have to be able to be on the contract's or, or be a, par, a provider on some of these insurance companies so that you can see the same people. <laughs> well, I, I don't envy you that part of the process. It's got to be, as I said, from my perspective, a nightmare. But what are the good parts of running your own practice? Oh, there's so many. Um, you know, you really can, and, I, and I'd, I'd say set the tone of your own practice because you get to kind of decide everything about it um, from you know, when you want to work to how, how, um, how big of a staff you have, where you work, um, 
you know, what uh, all characteristics of the practices are kind of your choice. And so it really is to some degree a reflection of you. Um, And uh, that could be really good. There's certainly, um, uh, it's really gratifying to, to also just, you know, I've been here 18 years and we've, we've done this for 18 years and we're, we're doing okay. And that, that, uh, just a great feeling just to say that we've made it this far. And I assume you've got some really competent folks that are helping you there. I, I know them, a few of them peripherally, but um, you, must be, uh, you must be in good hands with the folks that you've got working with you in your practice. No, I love my staff. <laughs> I wish none of them would leave. <laughs> So, Matt, I've often thought that it must be frustrating to be a physician, and you know what's best for a patient's health. You can see symptoms, you can see solutions, you watch the patient ignore your advice at times and suffer the consequences. Does that happen to you? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there's, especially um, with all the, the, the different pressures that patients are faced with in making decisions, um, sometimes what you're saying is the thing that needs to happen can't happen or won't happen, and it, it can be hard. It, it, it really is hard um, when I feel in my gut someone's making the wrong decision. Right. But I kind of approach it like, you know, my job is to show you your options, give you the pluses and minuses for the different ways to go and why one might be a better choice than another choice. And then ultimately there are other things that I have no control over or would not affect the decision. I would not know how they affect the decision that that a patient has to take into consideration on their own. Ultimately it's their decision and choice. And so, you know, I have to fill my role as a professional and as a dermatologist to, to kind of spread, to give my knowledge and give, give the options. I was going to ask you how you personally come to terms with that when it happens when the patient essentially ignores you, and I'm, you know, you're you're talking about other other factors that get in the way, and I can imagine that's true too. But there probably are cases where people just don't do what you know they should be doing, and I, I guess you've really answered uh, how you deal with that. You try to give the best advice, and uh, and and then see how the patient decides to handle it, right? Well, it's it's kind of what we do. I mean. Doctors are, you know, we guide people and hopefully um, help them through problems that they face, um, but ultimately they they need to make the decision. Well, I'm Keith Porter, and my guest today is Matthew Muhlenhoff, who's the founder and medical director of Sierra Derm um, and uh, practices here in Grass Valley. So, Matt, the, the global question, is there one piece of advice you'd give to all of us that would improve the health of our skin, of our derma? Yeah, you know, I think I spend the vast majority of my time um, dealing with the, the, the adverse effects of sun. And, you know, it's, it's probably people's relationship with sun that, you know, if you could figure out a little healthier relationship with sun, you'd, you'd, you'd do better. Unfortunately, a lot of times the patients that I'm seeing, they're like, well, that was 30 or 40 years ago, Doc. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wearing sun, sun tans, whatever you call it, sun protection and a hat isn't going to help me 30 years ago, right? Right. And, 
and there's some truth to that. But you know, the 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 point I can say is if, if you are overdoing it, you know, scaling it back a bit is is helpful as far as your exposure or you know just finding a better a better relationship with sun where you're you know you're not burning yourself, you're not getting and you know too much exposure because it in the end it, things start happening and you wish you could turn back the clock because you're running in and out of my office yeah. more than you want to. And, you know, we, we still only have so many things we can do. So, you know, if you can prevent it, that's always better. Well, you've got me wearing a big straw hat and a bandana over my head and neck. What my wife says when I'm outdoors looks really silly. And I say, I blame it on you. It's your fault. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> What 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 was, or I should say probably is, the impact of the COVID pandemic on your work? Has it complicated how you do uh, what you do? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm as tired of wearing a mask as anybody, but, you know, we, we wear them, you know, round the clock. And that's because that's what's been told to us. And it's, you know, health practitioners and what, what offices are supposed to be doing it's been pretty clear since those those kind of instructions came out and you know just like we follow all the other health and safety guidelines that we're supposed to as a medical practice we've been following those and so it, that part we've just been doing i i think what's hard is just seeing the patients struggle with it and you know that's just been um difficult do do you uh, how do you deal with unvaccinated people? Do you see unvaccinated people in your practice? Yeah, um, we ask everybody to wear a mask. Okay. So we're we're not we're not screening or asking anybody to prove they've been vaccinated, but we we do ask them to wear a mask when they're we're in here, and um, you know that's that's kind of how we're approaching that is everyone wearing a mask. Hey Matt, uh, I'd like to come back to some more personal questions a little bit for a moment. Um, what parts of your work do you enjoy the most, and what parts make you grit your teeth and uh, get it done in order to get on to the good stuff? Well, my interaction with patients, is that's easy. You know, I, lo- I love my practice. I love the people I get get a chance to, to get to know, and, you know, I, I get to, to uh, see people often enough to create relationships and, and uh, take care of them and get to know their families and, um, that's just a wonderful part of it. Um, being able to fix their problems is so gratifying. Um, you know, probably the, the part I hate the most is, you know, dealing with, um, you know, that struggle between in, you know, again, it's kind of going up against the insurance companies, unfortunately, because, you know, I might say, well, I want to prescribe this medication and then it's not covered or we have to write a letter or, you know, there's just these formalities just to get to a point. So, unfortunately, it seems more and more common that what I want to do is not what I can do right then. It, mm-hmm. it takes more steps to get it done, and that can be really frustrating. Well, uh, again, a personal question, I think. Is there an accomplishment or a role in your life that you're especially pleased with or proud of? Um. Well, gosh, uh, you know, probably, you know, being a father um, and and that's just been uh, uh, something I've, I, I have two boys and, and uh, I love them to death and I'm so proud of them. And I, I think that part of it 
you know, you don't see it coming really. Um, yeah. What, what those relationships are like and how uh, wonderful it's been. Uh, I've made great friendships through my kids sports. I've met some wonderful families and people I love to be around. And so that, that whole part of that has been really a, a great part of my life that I, I didn't really know was going to happen. So Yeah. That, it sneaks up on you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to ask the converse question. Is there anything you'd care to share about your life that in retrospect you'd do differently if you could do it all over again? You know, I believe that silence is probably because we have uh, lost our connection. That sounded like a little funk there. Well, that's too bad. I was really hoping to get that last uh, little bit of information out of uh, Matt Mulenhoff, who is a dermatologist in our community, who um, owns and operates and runs Sierra Derm, uh, is dealing with uh, insurance issues and patients who don't always do what he suggests, but uh, making the best of it and uh, really dealing with them uh, as appropriately and professionally as he possibly can. I was going to ask Matt about the other things he does in his life besides medicine and uh, all of that, and uh, looks like we won't have a chance to um, to talk about all of those things. But you are listening to the Sages Among Us. We'll we're just a couple of minutes from the end of the show, so uh, I will tell Matt how much I appreciate him being on the show, how much I appreciate his uh, work in the community uh, to keep all of us uh, in better health. Uh, we are an old community demographically. Uh, we're one of the uh, oldest counties in California, and uh, many of us did things in our youth that weren't good for our skin and uh, paid a price for that. And uh, Matt is there helping us through that. 